Hello and welcome to episode number 134 of Bill Man the Sport Guys podcast. I am your host, Bill Man, where I normally report you the latest weekly news from the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL. Joining me is actually my former high school baseball and football teammate, Riley Hendren. Riley, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me today, Bill. Glad to be here. It's been a, it's been a minute since we could get this pod going, but I'm glad we got it done. We're getting it done. It's been too long. Definitely. Too long. <laughs> All right. So the fact that you and I were both on baseball and football throughout high school, what are some memories you got? Man, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I guess the overall scheme of things, the greatest part of baseball is playing catch. You know, like yes. it's a pastime you can do it with your parents, your brother, anybody. You just get grab a mitt, grab a ball, and throw. You know. Um, and I'm glad to be here with my throwing partner. Yes, sir. Baseball. Me and Bill used to have some great, uh, great times talking on the bench, throwing the ball around, and just getting things done. It was always a great time. I always, I always remember that. One of my favorite memories is just playing catch with one of my, one of my best friends. Yes, that was actually my biggest memory is playing catch with my best friend. Uh, and the one moment that does stick out is like the rest of the sophomore year, how, so there would be times where I would practice my stance because whenever uh, coach Ushela, who was our head coach, like whenever I just wanted to be ready, whenever he called my name, I was at least ready. And I do recall I drew a walk and then I ended up scoring. But uh, I guess from a joking, funny standpoint, <laughs> Um, shout out to actually one of our teammates, Mike Hippodoti. Uh, I recall during a summer game, there were times that there was one time I stole second and I actually didn't know he was on second base because I, I just had the intent yeah. on stealing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second I got up, I realized he was on a rundown. I was like, oh, my bad. Although shout out to Mikey. If, if the three of us get on together, we got to get him to tell the story if he yeah. remembers. <laughs> Because then I remember Coach Munda looked at me like, did you know he was on second? I was like, oh, uh, whoops. Yeah, didn't, didn't see that one. <laughs> but you're aggressive. You always were. You always like to be uh, ready for the next pitch, ready to go. That just shows. Yeah. Your hard work and dedication. Well, and same with you. Like, we, like we were always like, we always wanted to be ready. Because yeah. um, the one that still stands out uh, from Coach Fisher, who was one of our freshman coaches, like, Never, and this is the tip I'll give out to everyone. Don't ever ask a coach for playing time. They're just never going to give it to you freebie. Work your ass off and bam. Yeah. The hard work. Exactly. The hard work will pay off. Exactly. But those were still fun. Yeah. I mean, baseball, I mean, on on our sophomore team, we didn't necessarily play a whole lot, you know? No. We were more like the glue guys. We were the hype men, you know? Yes. We were there when they needed us, but we were also there to bring the team up, you know? And so just hanging out and dug out with all the boys, just shooting it around, you know, it's just a great time. There's nothing better than competition. And like what we were talking about, you know, it's like you always have that competitive drive and that it shows in all sports, you know? when you're a kid versus when you're 45, 50, whatever. You or even play. 70. Yeah, you know, you just keep playing. <laughs> just the competitiveness, the nature of the game just keeps keeps bringing you back. It's, yeah. it's the best. Yes, sir. Those were so fun. Yeah. Uh, what about football? Yeah, football. I mean, like, football was awesome. 
I mean, it's my, my favorite sport of all time. Like, I honestly, there's nothing better than football. Um, I spent a good portion of my life on, on a football field. I started playing okay. in fifth grade. Uh, we ended up winning the Super Bowl that year, which that kind of helps bring you up to keep playing, you know, when you're younger. But just the moment I stepped on that field, I just knew, like, there's something about this game that I want to be a part of. And, like, from my time playing from fifth grade until after, till senior year of high school, like, I played almost every position you can on the football field. I played quarterback, nice. wide receiver, tight end, Ooh. DB, whatever whatever it was, everything besides offensive line, you know. I'm not the, the biggest of dudes, <laughs> as, as, as you know. But, okay. you know, I, I played – I made my way around the field and tried to find a spot that fit me. And I, I really liked just understanding and playing, like, different spots on the field, which I think ultimately helped me out in the end, like, when I played safety my senior year, I understood from playing quarterback, like, okay, this is what the quarterback wants to do. Okay, this is what the receiver wants to do from playing receiver. You know, like, I was able to understand what each position wanted to do, and I was able to be prepared for what was coming next, you know. And, like, uh, my our freshman year, you know, we, we were both on the freshman B team. Shout, yes, yes, sir. Shout out Urbanski. He was one of the best coaches I ever had. So Yes, and also – Shout out to Coach Lorick and our sophomore head coach, Coach Bible, on retirement. Yeah. All we thank you for all the life lessons you gave us. Wouldn't be here without them, you know. Exactly. Yeah, they were awesome. Um, and I just remember like we were always having a great time freshman year. No matter what, win or loss, even though we did win more than we lost that year, we still had an awesome time, you know, just always boys just hanging out and just always great, you know. And then, so like my my freshman year, I played middle linebacker, and obviously that's not where I finished my career at, you know. So I guess I could tell a little bit of how I got into that, you know. Um, but like, so our sophomore year, I moved from middle linebacker to cornerback. Ooh. So in on cor our team had a, a couple of pretty good corners, so I was a little bit lower on the depth chart, and which that was kind of tough for me because my whole career of playing football up until that point, like, I was always on the field, you know, like I was always playing. Yeah. I always loved it, you know, wherever I could play, like I, I try to find a spot. So being a corner and being lower on the depth chart, not playing as much, I was like, all right, I need to work and find a spot where I can get in and play, you know? And so we did have a couple of injuries at safety that year. Um, That's right. I think uh, Brendan Feeney, shout out to him. He's one of our good buddies too. Yes, sir. Um, he, I think he hurt his ankle that year. And then from when he got hurt, I took the, that opportunity and ran with it. You know, I was like, okay, this is my chance to, to, to do something on the football field. And so I, I think I've, I started the last four games of the sophomore year and did pretty well, I guess, and they, I stuck with it, and that was my position from that time on until the rest of my career, and that was a great change for me because it showed, like, perseverance, I guess, you know, not being where I wanted to be, and then eventually getting to that point where I was, like, in a spot where I was playing, you know, it was really, really a good spot, and it just changed my whole outlook on football because being the corner, if I really didn't play my that sophomore year, 
there's a good chance like I might not have gone all the way through with it, you know, into my senior year. But getting that opportunity and taking that opportunity really helped me out in the long run, you know, and it got me to where I wanted to be. And eventually senior year became starter safety. So it was really, really cool. So. so a little football story with me was I remember like I didn't even do any football prior to high school, but then I figured like I wanted to give it a try. Just why not? Like, and, and the more, the more I look back, the more I'm actually more happier I did. Cause at least, you know, it was also something for me to do instead of just being one of those, you know, that, that would like sit on their bed with like, maybe like a big bowl of like Cheetos. Like I, I like, I, I didn't want to do that right. during the summer. Like I was glad that, you know, something that involved with movement. You were itching to uh, do something, you know? Yeah. yeah. And at first, uh, I remember one of the reasons I wanted to try high school football was because I was like, oh, what if I played past high school, past college? Hey, I get to go to Disney World if I win the Super Bowl. But then I was like, eh, wait a minute. Because <laughs> I, for some reason, I had the quarterback all in mind, you know, like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. But I decided to try every single position just to see what uh, what suits. And when I got to O-line, I sticked with it. I was mainly a left tackle, but then come junior, senior year, I was just trying to be a bit more open yeah. from like left to right. Yeah. And even with um, current softball, basketball today, I, I try to leave it as flexible as I can and make it easier for the coach instead of saying like, hey, I'm a deadlock here. Oh, okay. Um, I, I always had the funnest memories of just being around the boys because I, I enjoyed it a lot. And one that sticks out, this is actually true for the audience. There's a perfect game in football. It exists. I remember we were at Downers Grove North, and I was at, obviously at left tackle. I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Tyler Parisi, shout out to him. He was our quarterback. I don't recall, but I remember I only versed five and 56 from the defensive side. I first five, and I was kicking as you know what, to where I actually took one glimpse look, and the coach was screaming at him, like, you got him around. You let him get around. How dare you? And then 56 came in, and then I kicked his you know what. And then I got to the bus, and the whole team was like, hey, you had a perfect game. And I was like, what? Because obviously I knew in baseball it existed. I just never knew it existed for football. <laughs> the clean sheet, no sacks, no pressures, no nothing. You, yes, sir. You held them down five and fifty-six. You owned them that night. And then um, another shout out to uh, Coach Nee. I still hope I said it right. One of the sophomore coaches, because he, because one of the nicknames he got, he called me was Hype Man. And then along with Hype Man, this was how Bill Man actually existed. And. It's actually one of the best nicknames, and I still I still have it in my top three of all time. Uh, the man, the sports guy. Yes, sir. That's how it started, and then uh, um, I re I do recall one day at practice, like he was just tossing us interceptions, and for some reason, like I got way too hyped, where like I just spiked the ball yeah, like twenty yeah. yards back, <laughs> and then um, for some reason, uh, shout out to Joe Rico. When he did the long Arico lap. Yeah. Now, <laughs> to the audience, if you were to picture York High School baseball field without the poles, there's actually two football fields. One 
far in left field, and then one like way farther down the right field. So the way I remember, he was doing I don't I forgot what exactly he did. He fumbled. Oh, he fumbled. Yeah. Okay, because I remember Randolph was like, yeah. go run a lap. Yeah. And instead of running a normal lap, he ran like the whole Arico lap. Because at one point we were like, where's Arico? And then he's down farther down the the field down the right field line. We were like, no way. Yeah, he was running the whole distance of the that baseball like arena, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. That's that's not a small spot. Either. No, it's it's actually a large yeah. one. I mean, you could fit probably three football fields in there, so or at least <laughs> three good sized fields in there. You know. So, yeah, I mean, if you take if you take away the baseball field, yeah. you easily could in a heartbeat. That's that's a long run. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but at the same time, that's impressive. Yeah, uh, for sure. And you know, senior year always the saddest, but it was the fun too. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Senior year was great. Um, I mean, going from our junior year to our senior year, you couldn't have asked for anything more than that, other than yeah. a, a playoff spot. Exactly. So, like, going from our junior year where we had like Todd, one of, Todd yeah, Munkin as our head coach, and we went one and eight. His first name was actually or Matt, 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 Matt not yeah. Todd. If we had Todd, we probably would have been a little better. Todd Frazier. No, Todd. <laughs> Todd is a he's a coach in the NFL, maybe now. Oh dang! Or he was a coach with Navy or something. One something of the like schools. That. Nice. But, uh, we had Matt Munkin. You're right, and he led us to a one and eight team. Team was super unorganized. We no one wanted to be there really. We were just there going through the motions. At least the at least yeah. the people above us were just going through the motions. Yeah. And like the juniors, us, our age, we were all hungry. We wanted to play. Yeah, we, we just wanted to take their spots. Yeah, we came from a four and five sophomore year season to going to one and eight. It was just like we were ready to play. And then yeah. our our senior year, we get a new coach. Shout out to coach Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. He changed the program entirely. Oh, big time. And if you even look at what they did or what they're doing now, they have back to back final four runs in yes. the state championship or state finals, you know. And knowing Fitzgerald, like he yeah. he's he's a thousand percent hungry. Like yeah, he wants and, and like I I personally appreciate what Fitzgerald has done. Yeah, so honestly. Do like like and honestly, no offense to Munkin. Like I actually liked being around him, dude. but yeah. but the one time like from the offensive standpoint, practice felt a little bit boring when it came to just like you're just like looking at the cards and just you're going walking through. Emotions, through. You know? Yeah. And then on like the defense, they were just busting their ass up, which I recall a couple times I was like, why aren't we doing that? Like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. Well, I mean, that it just goes and shows you exactly what was going on that year, yeah. too. Because like that year, our defense was pretty, like, pretty solid. Yeah. Like, we, we were still we, good. We weren't great, obviously, but we were, we were good. Yeah, and the offense just couldn't get anything going. Yeah. and then when the defense is on the field for God knows how long, and the offense is on the field for four plays max, and then off, it, it takes a toll on your defense. Yeah, right? and then I felt like, although I really appreciate what Fitzgerald has done, but prior to it, I felt like we were just a little bit like inconsistent. Like yeah. there were times where I felt like we looked good, but then there were times where maybe we didn't look that good. But then I'm. I really appreciate what Fitzgerald has done with the football program. Like he, he really brought in the new energy yeah. and and his staff too, and changed the culture. Exactly. Like also, shout out to Jake Mellion for breaking the all time school record. Mm-hmm. Shout out for yeah. running backs, yeah. but yeah, like overall, it was still fun to be around the boys. Like 
the more I look back, I'm actually happy I did football. Like, just, I found it one, something for me to do. Like, I just didn't want to be bored all day. Just wanted to do something. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did football, too, because if you didn't, probably wouldn't have ever met each other. <laughs> this podcast wouldn't be, wouldn't be going on right now. And to be honest, I'll, I guess I'll say this. If I didn't do it, I bet the hype man would not have existed. No. Yeah, you might have found your spot somewhere else. But, but yeah, the, the true Bill Mann, the hype guy, yeah. wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be around, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And then uh, I'll throw in uh, for uh, Special Olympics basketball. Shout out to Coach Welton Westy. Like, it was – it was a blast all four years. Um, I think my biggest memory was we did not quit. Because I recall there were two games senior year. I was just like, no. Like, like you got to get through me. Like, I'm not going to give you the free card. Right. Like, nothing, that, that's just easy. not happening. Nothing easy. And, all, and also, just so I don't get too many texts, shout out to the Gateway Gators. Shout out to Coach Mike and the crew for <laughs> keeping us all on our feet and, you know, loving – Loving the energy, but <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, now we'll jump to the real – I shouldn't say real, but we'll jump to the sports world. Um, so there are reports that Shohei Otani may be close to a team. Obviously, the Dodgers, Cubs, Yankees were kind of in the top three. But, Riley, do you see a surprise team sneaking into the Shohei Otani sweepstakes? I actually have two. Oh! So I think the first – my, my team that I've been saying he's going to since the beginning of the season when they said that he might not sign with the Angels again was Boston automatically. I think Boston could benefit definitely from getting Shohei, getting that arm. Obviously, he can't pitch this season, but getting that bat too is just – he's a 40 home run guy. Inserting that in your lineup, Take that every day of the week. I don't know the last when was the last time the Sox had a forty home run guy besides Luis. You know. Oh well, Luis actually almost hit forty, he, he but thirty nine, but, but thirty eight, so yeah. But the last forty homer we hit was Todd Frazier yeah. back in yeah, yeah exactly. And then after that, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Then after that was Adam Dunn back in twenty twelve, and then yeah. I think the last ever forty homer we hit was Jim Tomei and Jermaine Dye both hit forty. Yeah, I mean plus. it's been a long time, so it's like I would. I would take that in a heartbeat for the Sox. Obviously, not not our Sox. Yeah, sadly. obviously we're not getting them. You know, no. But I see I see him going to Boston for a couple reasons. I think uh, he Shohei Shohei has come out and said that he wants to play with other Japanese players. Ooh, and so that's right. that you you start looking around the league and seeing what teams have Japanese players, and you you take notice of the Cubs with Suzuki. Yes, you take notice of. The Red Sox with Yoshida, and then you could say Toronto also with, with Kikuchi. That's right. And then so there's there's teams around the league that have these Japanese superstars that are that Shohei wants to play with eventually and make Ooh. like a his own team, you know. And so I see him going to Boston for that reason. Ooh. And also another reason I see Boston too is Boston just cleared some space getting rid of Verdugo. And that's he's, right. He's a right fielder, you know. So mm-hmm. that's Shohei's other position when he's not playing the pitching. He can play the outfield, you know. So really? like he does do that occasionally, not okay. as much, but obviously he won't be doing that because he can't throw it this year. No. But I think playing with Yoshida and eventually getting into that like Boston feel, like I feel like that can be a really cool situation for him. The only thing 
is with Boston is I don't see Shohei coming to the East Coast. I, I, I can't see him playing on the East Coast, really. And even Toronto, that's kind of close to the East Coast, not really, but and it's Canada. But um, I don't know. I just I can't see him going to Boston, but I think that could be a surprise team. Ooh. And then my other surprise team is uh, Seattle. I think Seattle would, would love to have him. Throw him in that lineup. Oh, they they love it, you know. And um, the reason I think Seattle is because at the All Star break, Shohei came out and publicly said like he loved the city of Seattle. Like he was like, "This is awesome." Like nice. I think he. I don't know if he went as far as says, "Oh, I could see myself playing here," but I, it was kind of like you could infer it from how much he was talking, how greatly he loved Seattle. I don't think you would want to jinx yourself if you're a free agent. Yeah. Because no, then, exactly. then that would automatically right. give it away. Exactly. So, like, I, I could see him going there. So, I think Ooh. Seattle and Boston are two very, very surprised dark horse teams that could grab him. But I think ultimately where he's going to go is the Cubs. As, 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 oh. as much as it pains me to say, I think he's coming to Chicago. He's going to play with Suzuki. They're going to build a team around him, Dang. and it's going to be painful for us Sox fans for years to come. Would I think the best situation that could happen, he just stays in L.A. He goes and stays with the Angels. I think ultimately he's a loyalty guy. Shohei's a big he's, – he's big on that. So if, if you show him loyalty, I'm sure he might show it back, you know. So the Angels – are the team I hope he goes to. <laughs> the Cubs are the team I, I think he's going to go to. Oh, Seattle and Boston are dark horses. So that's that's what I So as much as re-signing with the Angels would probably – I don't want to call it a bad thing because obviously, you know, with Trout and then depending whoever else they could get. But biggest reason why I don't see the Angels is – I feel like they've always failed him around whenever it came to depth and and uh, pitching. And even going back to when they've had Trout after 2014, they've always seemed to have like a decent lineup, decent hitters, just could never get any like true all-star pitching. But to jump into the Cubs, as much as I would hate it with all my heart, but I'm the one big side I would – the one bright side I would look at it is – it would also be good for the game to see a superstar go to a go to a city that doesn't get recognized too much. So like Chicago, Seattle, the big surprise team I have Shohei going to is the is the San Francisco Giants. I've heard that too. Hear me out, why for the Giants? If I'm not mistaken, trying to picture the map, I believe the West Coast is the closest to Japan, and I think I actually think Shohei could really help out the Giants because. Not long ago, they actually made the playoffs. They missed it in 2022, and I believe they they were just short of it in 2023. So while the Giants aren't in the Madison Bumgarner, Buster Posey era, they're kind of somewhat heading into a new era, and they're actually looking at interesting team. And if they want to go back to how they were in the early 2010s with the dynasty, I think Shohei would be a good start and then build around them. Um, I guess I guess if I were to go with second team, you know what? I'll jump in the Seattle train. Now that you mention it, I I like, I like Seattle for a, for a time. Ooh, Seattle? That would be a that would actually be a good one. Yeah. 
I mean, Seattle, obviously, their issues this past year was their pitching. They, yeah. They obviously lost Robbie Ray with the Tommy John, I think it was, or something like that. Oh, I thought they traded him, but I guess I would no, be wrong. No, I think he got hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's and not then, about right. Um, so then he was gone, and then their Castillo, he was a good pitcher. Luis. Yeah, but he wasn't what he was the year before previously. No. And then they obviously have some great young pitching, too, with Brian Wu and Ooh. then Matt Brash and guys like that and Logan, uh, Logan uh, Gilbert. So they, they have some good, nice young p- pitching pieces, but they need that, like, n- number one guy, which that they hoped it was going to be Robbie Ray, but when he got hurt last year, kind of derailed that a little bit. Um, but getting a guy like Shohei, eventually getting him into your starting lineup, or starting rotation in a year or two years down the line, like, that's awesome. You know, like, that would benefit them so much on the pitching standpoint. And then you inc- you add his bat to the lineup, too, batting 285, 290, 40 bombs, 100-plus RBIs. Like, Ooh. that's he's a perennial MVP, and he will be for the next – Easily. 10 years almost. So Easily. if you have a chance to add a guy like that, why not? You know? Oh, 100%. So I, so I think Seattle would be a great spot for him. Ooh. Yeah. Now I'm jumping on that. I like it. <laughs> okay, got another question since we're loyal Chicagoans. Well, uh, the fans would obviously know. Come to, with me with football. That's, uh, that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you have this one. <laughs> I appreciate that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of the Billman Sports Guy jury. <laughs> um, which Chicago team do you think is the closest to a championship? And we got to speak from the honesty, not from the bias. Yeah, um, that's, that's a tough question because Chicago sports are in shambles right now. Um, you don't Sadly. have much. The Bulls aren't very good. Blackhawks aren't very good. Well, that was expected. Yeah, but. I mean, all these teams we kind of expected them weren't going to be very good. Yeah, but they are. You know, Bulls aren't good. Blackhawks aren't good. Sox aren't good. Uh, Bears are obviously aren't good either. Oh. And then the only team that you could kind of say has a little bit of a future is the Chicago Cubs. As much as it pains both you and I to say that, <laughs> I would have to say the Cubs are in the the most primed position to have a championship first out of any of the Chicago teams solely for the reason that they're in a great spot after last season. They just need to make a couple moves, obviously letting go Stroman. He was really good for them last year, had a little bit of injury concerns, but he was still very solid and Bellinger too. Maybe they could resign him, but getting like a guy like Otani on that team, on that team, I don't see why they don't make the playoffs, you know? Uh, no. The only thing that I can see uh, a regression from is their pitching. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks. He's obviously a little older, uh, and he's slowing down, but he's still a solid, like fourth, fifth guy in the rotation. Easily. But they need their young pitchers to kind of like step up and like keep taking that next step forward in order for them to be that first team to win a championship in Chicago. The second team I would say would be close is the Bears, for the sole reason. I'm, what? I'm, I'm in. I'm what? Big, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, why not? You know, you make a couple big moves. Their defense has looked excellent since the trade for Montez Sweat. So oh, that's, right. that, that's a big step forward. 
from the first eight weeks of the year, Bears defense looked terrible. And it was supposed to be their better unit on, on both sides of the ball, you know. Um, and so ever since getting Montez Sweat, they've been a top 10 defense in the league. You add a couple pieces here or there on defense, uh, you're solid there, you're set. And then you have, you're going to have two top 10 picks in this upcoming draft. Obviously, if you get one, you know, like that could turn into a haul like it did last year for when Carolina traded for Bryce Young, basically. Mm-hmm. We got DJ Moore, Darnell White, or Darnell Wright, uh, Tyreek Stevenson, their 24 first and a 25 second, oh. all for the first overall pick. And we got every everyone we wanted at that time or at those spots, and we still got better, you know. And then now we have that chance to do it again. And this time, you, you don't even have to trade it. If you have the opportunity to take Marvin Harrison number one, go for it. Or even Caleb Williams. I'm not, uh, I don't know about I'm that. not big on the quarterbacks first. this year. Um, I know that they had a lot of hype coming into the season. Caleb Williams, he's obviously going to be a great player. He's an athlete. He's a, he's a competitor. So you can't, you can't deny that. But I think it would be a huge mistake if the Bears were to move on from Justin Fields. Fields, although he hasn't shown the development that everyone wanted to to see from him, the coaching staff is not putting him in a great position to succeed. When you run 15, 20 screen passes in a single game, something's wrong. You either don't trust your quarterback or the OC is making bad calls. So it's one of the two, and it could be both, you know, but just if you get Justin the right system, you get him some better pieces around him, you get him a good couple of good receivers. Obviously, DJ Moore has been solid. Why not? Yeah. I don't see why the Bears can't make the wild card and surprise some teams, you know. All you need to do is get in. All you got to do is get in. Yeah, You see it all the time with March Madness. You see a team, they're a, a 10 seed or whatever. They just barely got in because they, they won their conference tournament or whatever, and then they make a run, you know? So anything could happen. So I, that's why I think the Bears have a good shot, with, especially with football, because you see it all the time as teams go from last to first, and, and it happens all the time, you know? Ooh. So I, I think the Bears are a great second. They're, they're really close to the Cubs, but I think the Cubs could make a lot of moves this offseason that will put them in a great position to be the – the first Chicago team to win a championship since 2016. Yes. So that's that's how I see it. But at least you and I can agree that 2005 will always be better than 2016. Oh, but, but speaking from the honesty and not going Stephen A. Smith style, I actually have to agree. I really think the Cubs are the closest. Um, better good pitching. And another pitcher you didn't mention, but I will, is Justin Steele, who, who basically this past season – was basically the Cubs version of Chris Sale, elite all-star that could fin that could even finish in the top five in Cy Young. And then I saw him as more of like a Dylan Cease from the year before from that or the year before. Or a, you know, both they were both in similar situations. Both finished about five hundred both teams finished about five hundred. Yeah. And both had excellent starting pitchers who were on Cy Young campaigns that were cut short right at the end. And and the reason I say he's basically the Cubs version of Chris Sale was even when the White Sox were um, 2012 when we almost made the playoffs, and I I still never forgot that season to this day, 
And then the the last four seasons, we were mediocre and minus one really bad year in 2013. Chris Sale was always a lead. He even he was even in the top six in Cy Young. And though the closest he ever gotten to was second, I just see Justin steal that, but the Cubs being much better than how the White Sox were during sales days. Well, during sales days, we were a little bit of an older team, too, compared to what the Cubs are right now, at least. You know, the Cubs have a lot of young, up-and-coming pieces that could really stand out for them. Like, obviously, they have Morrell, who I've heard rumors of him being discussed in trade talks, but I think the Cubs will end up holding on to him just because he play anywhere on the field, you know, like – he, he's a great hitter. He's great energy. Like you, yes. you need a guy like that. Exactly. And I think he, he you, you got to hold on to him. You got guys like Pete Crow Armstrong coming up. Yes. Soon. Uh, he he's is, he's supposed to be the real thing. Yeah, he's supposed to be the next big thing, next best outfielder. So like you got Easily. pieces like that coming up. Matt Mervis. He obviously was up last year a little bit, but yeah. he didn't have the greatest of season. But you get a couple. You get a year under your belt. See how MLB pitching is, and then versus minor league, and then he could be next big thing too. So they they have a lot of good pieces that they're looking uh, to build on. So if they can build on those pieces, I I don't see why they can't win World Series. No, and I do think the Cubs should also improve a little bit on catching because obviously they still have Jan Gomes, which he's not getting any younger. Uh, Miguel Amaya, Amaya, you know he he showed he, he showed some process. He's a young guy, so and, yeah. And I, even though they couldn't resign Contreras, but yeah. I I wouldn't mind to see the Cubs get another catcher and maybe a little more infield outfield depth. So in case if they were to like, I'm not saying this will ever happen, but let's say a scenario where let's say they lose Horner or Swanson due to like a major injury, and bam, they could fill in good depth because Swanson actually. Did well, and I still can't believe I got that right. <laughs> yeah, his his contract was the best contract out of all the shortstops that were handed out easily this last <laughs> offseason. So I mean, the, Cubs Cubs did right with that pick. Oh, know. they definitely did. At least at least they weren't they weren't like the Giants or uh, the Mets where they were like, oh yeah, here's five hundred billion dollars. We'll throw it at you. They were like, eh, boom, yeah. and then you know Horner. Horner's definitely the next big thing in Chicago. Um, uh, who else am I thinking of? Uh, they should re-sign Cody Bellinger, in my opinion. I can't stress that enough. And as we mentioned with Otani, as much as we'd hate it, but it would be good for the game if they were to take their chances at him. And I actually wouldn't mind if I see him take take a chance at a big uh, free agent. Obviously, back in 2016, they did that with Hayward, which – We'll cut him slack for the fact that he brought him a World Series, and I believe he won one or two gold gloves during his time, but he was never really anything offensively outside of just 2019 when he was vintage, but that was about it. So realistically, the Cubs, eh, I guess I'll throw the Bears in. They're, they're not that far away. I mean, but if you compare them to other, the other three Chicago sports teams, like the Bears are in a much – better position than all three of those teams. Because obviously Blackhawks, Connor, Connor Bedard. Bedard, you can't deny he's going to be a superstar in the league. No. So obviously that's a great start, but he's one piece. You know, yeah, you need the Hawks more. still need like three, four more pieces before they can even consider themselves a playoff team. So yeah. they're still at least 
three years out, I'd say. No. And then um, I I think the I'll I'll put the Bulls third. I mean, Bulls yeah, could make some moves where they can change. I mean, real quick. they're not off to a even though they're not off to a good start, but they have been hot lately. There are some pieces that that are good. Just try build around more. Like yeah, I mean, the Bulls definitely have great talent. They have, they have they talent do. across the board with every player they have. They all have good guy. They have good players. They just don't play good as a team together. And you, what you're saying, the Bulls have been on a winning streak, which is right. Yeah. But the best player, one of the best players has been out. And one of the, <laughs> the other best player was out also. So when they were both out, the Bulls played their best game. So if you think about it like that, it's like, okay, so maybe we aren't so far away with the role players that we have. We just need better leaders. So yeah. that's kind of harder to acquire in the NBA without giving up a lot. You know, giving up role players, giving up picks. You know, like nobody wants to take on a DeMar DeRozan forty million dollar contract. No, or even Zach Levine, which, which, yeah. which, what's crazy is that he's the only player in the Jerry Reinsdorf history to get more than a hundred million. Yeah, like he got his max, and you know, I like I like Zach Levine, and, and, and no disrespect, but I mean, they, they, they've just been hot. Yeah, the Bulls have proven they play better without Levine so far. Just, yeah, that just shows me, like, okay, yes, they're playing good right now. You trade Levine and DeMar, the Bulls could go on a – easily could go on a 10-game losing streak and just go yes. cold, ice cold, and just be terrible. Or they could get really hot, you know, and yeah. just succeed. But I don't think the Bulls are going to be anywhere near a playoff run with Levine and DeMar at the helm. Well, and I think the closest – and it basically showed last season the closest they'll ever get to is a wild card. And yeah. That's it. And, well, and, that's, and I also believe for part of the Bulls' downfall is we haven't had Lonzo Ball. Which, is, which I mean, if you look at the difference defensively with Lonzo in the court, we were like literally top 10, top 15 best defense. But without him, we were like way near the bottom. And that's also with Caruso, who I've actually liked. And I don't know. I'm not the best free agency signing in Bulls history, but I would definitely consider it top 15. Like, I mean, what Lonzo? When did he go out? Like Jan, like twenty twenty two. So he's been out for a year. Yeah, and he's had like three like really major knee surgeries, which I mean, which I don't. I still see him coming back to the NBA. I'm just not sure if it's with the Bulls. No, and then the White Sox. I mean, it's honestly sad the fact that we made the playoffs twenty twenty one, and then all of a sudden we literally fell apart. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even really sure what you could say about the Sox that would be positive because I honestly I, I, don't have – Outside of Luis Robert Jr. Luis was – I mean, he finally broke out. Yeah. Uh, Pitching, terrible. Uh, I, oh, oh they yeah. They all regressed. Cease regressed. Kopech regressed. Gio struggled early on. He but, picked it up but, but he actually did fine. He picked it up in the middle, and then we traded him, and then he fell off. Oh, and then which, um, which, which was great for us, you know. Like, but then what's what's even good with Giolito was we got the the number two and three prospects from the Angels yeah. in Kyle Bush and Edgar Cuero, who yeah. I'm, I'm actually excited for. Oh yeah, we got a lot of young pieces coming up too. But I bet you could sit, you could find some recording from somebody like five years ago saying yeah. these exact words. Oh, they have a lot of good young pieces. They're a couple pieces away, but we're always just stuck there. We fell out. I mean, we're always just stuck in a couple of pieces away, and then 
we get close, and then Jerry's like, eh, I'm gonna be a little stingy now. Uh, put his checkbook away, and then our chances go up. Okay, and no, and no bad shot towards Jerry Reinsdorf. Like, I get it. We're one of the two teams in baseball to have not spent over $100 million, but, you know, would one time not be bad? I mean, I get it. I won't say for the much for the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, we offered Wonder. They offered Wonder Franco. They paid him $182 million, and then all the bad, disgusting stuff. Like, you know, at least with the Rays, you know, would one time kill you? That's my only thing for the Sox. Would one time really hurt you? Like, right now, Luis Robert Jr. is the only player I could see being the first $100 million ever in franchise history. And and another reason I'll throw in is health. Like, Mankata, I like him a lot, but just hasn't been healthy too much the last two seasons. The whole um, team. You could say that about the whole team. Oh, yeah. And ever since 2021, I felt like we were always hurt from left to right. Even during 2020. He lost yeah. Eloy at the beginning of That's that season. That's right. Yeah, we. Grandal was out for a little. Ta was out for a little. Yeah, we had, to, we had to pick up guys like Brian Goodwin, and he balled out for the Sox. Yes, and, and that's how we we won the, the division. And Billy Hamilton, who I who I've actually I actually really enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. Um, and even like Adam Engel, who who Danny had Mendick, like those type of guys that they balled out that year for us. And that also shows for part of my reason for Cubs and. Bears, et cetera. Good depth. You have good depth. You're still winning games. Right. Now, obviously, we don't have that too much with the Hawks. Bulls, somewhat. Although we did lose. I know we lost Derek Jones we have, Jr. We have a lot of, the Bulls have depth. They don't have stars. Not like a superstar. Though, I, I still say Levine's a superstar. I mean, you could but say, yeah, definitely you could say Levine, DeMar, they're stars. DeMar. You know, but they're not like. Like a Steph Curry not, or a Giannis. They're not a Steph Curry. They're not a Giannis. They're not a LeBron. They're not, put, they're not a Tatum. They're not putting the team on their back, you know? Yeah. And when they do, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But for the most part, it just, just doesn't look I mean, realistic. That's true. But overall, I would say the Cubs are the closest, even though it pains me. But speaking from the honesty, they are. Definitely. Um, I agree with that. Okay. And then – um, Robbie Gold has announced his retirement after 18 years in the NFL. Uh, I guess since I'm a Packer fan, you want to mention the favorite moment? Yeah, my favorite <laughs> moment, 2021 uh, NFC Divisional Round. Robbie Gold putting uh, Aaron Rodgers in his place. He's excellent. He, ah. killed, he killed, he killed uh, Rodgers in his last uh, uh, playoff performance as a Packer. So... If there's one thing I'll always be happy for, it would be that. Uh, even though he ripped us Packer fans to smithereens, well, meaning myself, um, I will say I think he was easily one of the greatest NFL kickers of all time. Even though kicking-wise, it's easily to just kick a football, but I would say he's one of the best yeah, all time, sure. easily. He, for sure. Oh. He was one of the most consistent kickers ever. Uh, still blows my mind that the Bears cut him after – Missing a couple field goals one year. I was actually at his game. And that. they didn't cut Cody Parkey after missing that goal post. No, they they did, did they did cut like, him, but it was like four months after. Well, yeah, after he did all that. But yeah. there was a game against the Lions where Parkey hit the upright four times oh. in one game, and we lost. Or uh, we might have won that game. I don't, it was a high scoring game, but okay. Uh, he hit the upright four times during that game. 
and everyone in Chicago was calling for his head, like, you got to cut the guy. Like, we can't get into the playoffs and risk him screwing us over and <laughs> doing the same thing. <laughs> oh, fast forward a couple months, we get to the playoff wild card game against the Eagles. Down, Goal post, baby! Down one Hit or two the points. post with the shot! Double joint. And all of Chicago's hearts drop. Not mine! <laughs> but that was uh, that was painful um, as a Bears fan to see Robbie go. But I'm 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 happy he had, he found a good spot for him in uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. That's a that was a great second place for him to go. So I'm happy he had a great career after the Bears. I would also like to congratulate Robbie Gold on a fantastic career. Top 10 best NFL kicker of all time. Like, it's not even a question. And speaking of kickers, Mason Crosby is back in the NFL. He has signed with the practice squad for the Los Angeles Rams. That's a, I mean, it's a good pickup for the Rams, for sure. Obviously, they're, they picked up uh, – or they had Harvisick or something. I'm not, I'm not really sure how to say his name. He's a rookie okay. kicker, I think. And uh, – he had a couple of missed field goals, didn't look too hot. So, obviously, the Rams were in a position that they think that they can make a move and try to help their playoff chances out. So, they went out and saw if Mason Crosby was available, and he was, and he is now a Los Angeles Ram. So, as, as, as much as it hurts you being a Packers fan, I think the Packers have a good up-and-coming kicker with uh, – uh, Anders Carlson, I think his name is. So I think that's that's uh, that's the future for Green Bay. So you, you gotta you just gotta be happy for Crosby for everything he did for Green Bay. Oh, hundred percent. He he's uh, he's gonna be solid for for the Rams. We just gotta see if he still has the leg power. It's been s- sitting on the couch maybe for <laughs> for a little too long. Um, I'm honestly surprised it took him that long for a team to pick him up. Um, I also think Mason Crosby is a top 10 greatest NFL kicker of all time. I'd put him and Robbie Gold in the top 10. Uh, Crosby, I'm always thankful for him for his time in Green Bay. Easily the best in franchise history. Like, I remember there were at least two, three seasons where he was legit almost perfect. I think I think it was 2021 where he only missed, like, one field goal. Like, that was almost a perfect season for him. So, uh, thank you for your time in Green Bay, Mason Crosby. You will be missed, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck in uh, Los Angeles with the Rams. Um, so that recaps. Riley and I go through our high school memories. Uh, it's actually fun. Very glad we finally did it once and for all. Uh, what team, what surprise teams do we have picking up Shohei Otani? Uh, Robbie Gold retired, Mason Crosby. Signs with the Rams, and which Chicago team do we think was the closest to a championship? Riley, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me, Bill. All right, so this recaps episode number 134 of Bill Man, the Sport Guys podcast. I am your host, Bill Man. If you enjoyed this video, let us know your thoughts and opinions, and stay tuned for episode number 135. Peace.